Hey guys, Bill Giannone here with another Crustcast. This one is volume two of my three-part series entitled Surge Protection, Saving Your Company During a Cat. Now, I know that sounds crazy because, you know, most of us are experiencing the tail end of a very, very powerful freezing event. Like I said in the last Crestcast, over 35 states suffered some portion of freezing pipes in their in in their communities and we're all still dealing with the ramifications of that so if we're dealing with a lot of business how could we be worried about that well obviously if we're making mistakes or if we're getting out a little too much over our skis or if we're doing a little too much work and we don't have the cash flow those are the kind of things that can hurt us in the long run so we have to make sure, and yes, we have to protect ourselves during a surge. I want to address uh, today's Crustcast mainly about what we could do right now. Again, this is being recorded on a Sunday afternoon, and we are all about two weeks into this. Two weeks ago was Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and that's when all the calls for most of the country started. And we're two weeks into this now, and... We've probably locked up quite a bit of business and we probably think we're never going to dig ourselves out of it, but we're looking at the dollar signs, at least on paper. And as long as everything goes according to plan, we're going to do really well. Well, we also have a list of people that we haven't called back yet, and we're still getting calls a lot of these days. So we've got a lot of that stuff going on. What are we supposed to do with that list? Does it even make sense for us to call anybody on that list? Well, I'm here to ask you a question. I'm going to answer what I just said with a rhetorical question. If you walked by and there was a whole bunch of money sitting on the floor, what would you do to bend over and pick it up? How much effort would that take? And is it worth your while to bend over and pick it up? And I'm going to ask you that question and think about it this way. If there's $100 on the floor, but you've got $500 in your pocket, is it still worth bending over to pick it up? Well, I think for most of us, maybe that question might be a little more difficult to answer. But if I said to you, what happens if you have 500000 in your pocket and 100000 on the floor, would you bend over and pick it up? Because sometimes the amount, not the ratio, but the amount is the thing that triggers us. Well, I'm here to tell you that there's at least another 20% sitting on your list. I think for some of you, it's probably closer to 50% of what you've already booked and signed up and expect to make. There could be upwards of another 50% sitting on your books. That's on the floor. You just have to pick it up. What effort would you go to make sure you did that? Well, let's talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about a few steps you can take to make sure you understand what's there and when you bend over to pick it up, you don't wrench your back and screw things up or what's in your pocket doesn't fall out. So let's talk about a few of those things. First mistake everybody makes during a cat is they forget to keep marketing. So you have to keep marketing. One of the things you could do with that list is you can have your marketers go through that list and vet the urgency of any remaining calls. I'm sure that list includes a lot of calls that came from your referral sources, plumbers and brokers and agents and people that you market to 
12 months out of the year. Have your marketers call up all those leads and all those people. Maybe call the plumber and say, hey, Charlie, of all the leads you sent me that we didn't get to yet, who do you know still needs us and who's the most important one to you? That's not a bad way to prioritize things. Charlie will do the vetting for you and you'll have a list that you could start attacking. Or like I said, you just call the homeowners yourself. And if you call the homeowner yourself, you could find out immediately if they found someone else, if they really don't think it's an issue anymore, or if you should actually go forth and take care of it. Those are really important ways to get out there and to start. So let's start by doing that a little bit. Let's start picking up the phone and doing a little bit of marketing. Number two thing we can do, call everybody based on your priority. Now, I touched on this in my first episode of this three-part Crestcast, but I'm going to get into it a little more in depth right now. You call everybody on your list, but you call according to your priority. What are your priorities? I'm not going to put them one through four, but I'm going to list them because each company should have different rankings to how important these are, but these are things you should be considering instead of which is the oldest. That's what you should never consider. You don't care who's the oldest one because that's the wrong thing for your company to be focused on. Here's what you should be focused on. Which jobs seem like they're the largest? That makes perfect sense. That's logical. There's no reason we wouldn't want to do the biggest jobs first. But believe it or not, that is not always something that people take into consideration. I'm sure in your onboarding process, when people called you, your people, just like every other day, would have found out some particulars about the loss. How many floors are affected? What type of house is it? You could simply and easily go on to Zillow and look up the fair value for that home. Of course, it's not always accurate, but you get a ballpark. And I'm not saying that homes that are worth more have more significant damage. I'm just saying it's always a good testament if somebody says, my whole house is damaged. Is it a 2,000 square foot whole house or is it a 10,000 square foot whole house? That's one way to determine it. Another way that you should be prioritizing is you should do it on location. You should be prioritizing losses that are either very close to existing losses you're working on now or very close to your home office. Those two factors help you greatly as you start unwinding from this first wave and get into a second wave because you'll be spending a lot less time commuting to and from. Saving a couple hours on commuting time could actually, by the end of the week, allow you to do an entire job. Yes, an entire job. If commuting is an hour or so each way for any one of these jobs, you could save 10, 12 hours with your crews. They could get an entire job done. So that's why it's important to do that. So proximity is what you should be focused on as well as size. Third thing you should be focused on, I touched upon it first when I was talking about the marketing aspect. You should be focused on who the referral source is. I'm not saying it's exclusive. You know, there are lots of million dollar jobs that come from Google. I'm not saying you shouldn't prioritize Google. But I'm saying that if you have a plumber that feeds you 12 months out of the year, you don't want to abandon his leads just because the Google ones look better. You need to weigh the 
cause and effect of that? And what does it mean for your regular business all year? You know, if you only get two calls a month from Google, do you want to prioritize every Google lead? Because it's going to go back to two. It's not like Google's going to say thank you. It's going to go back down to two leads. So let's make sure we understand that. So that's how we prioritize on your priority. Size, proximity, and lead source. Those are very, very important and effective tools in being able to gauge your list. Remember, not when the call came in. If all things are equal and somebody from two weeks ago still needs you, yeah, that's fine. But don't prioritize simply based on, well, they're the, they've been waiting for two weeks, so I owe it to them. Remember, you're in business to make money. You don't owe it to anybody right now. Third thing I want you to realize is the longer that these go on, the more that the homes you're going to be showing up to, the dynamic has changed in those homes. We're going to be doing far less extraction and stabilization and drying in place. And we're going to be doing far more demolition in these homes. There's a really good chance that as the house sat for two weeks, that there's a lot of microbial growth that has taken place. The conditions of the building have changed. Wood floors that could have been saved are probably beyond repair at this point. Things like that. So understand, you're going to be doing a lot more demo. That changes the dynamic of how much time and effort you're going to have to be putting into these jobs. And it also changes your profit and loss focus. When we dry in place and don't do a lot of demo, our bills tend to be much more weighted towards equipment and much less weighted towards labor. And equipment is a far better profit source for us than labor. So let's remember that as we move forward. Don't expect to be making the same profits as you would normally make on a regular good old water job that you got to within an hour or two. The dynamics are going to be different. The last thing I want to tell you that what you should be doing right now is you should also be vetting your losses based on whether or not the insurance company has been notified. Because if the insurance company has been notified, there's a really good chance the homeowner already has a claim number. You could treat these almost like fires or recons. You don't have to jump right in. You can actually put a scope of work together and make sure you have some approval or understanding with the adjusters. And yes, I know, we don't, I'm going to say this out loud. We don't work for the insurance company and they're not our boss. I completely understand that. But right now, our goal is to get in, get out, and get paid. We want to get in, get out, and get paid. And in order to do so, we want to make sure we have the ability to have a check written to us for what we're doing. So two weeks in, when we go into a house and there's mold there, let's make sure we're not going for companies that have mold limitations or mold exclusions. Obviously, somebody would be able to fight that because the mold is not there for any other reason than it's a byproduct of the water event. And there's no way the insurance company can demand that every single person get a restoration company out there within a day. That was just unreasonable given the scope and size of this event around the country. But that's a topic for another day. Let's just talk about the fact that things are going to be different. So let's get that insurance information up front and maybe let's have a conversation with them while we're in there trying to determine what we're going to do. Just let them know what we're going to do. It's so much easier if we could do that because if you could get the money flowing, that's 90% of the battle with these cats. That leads me to my last part of the topic, which is going to be part three of my three-part 
Crestcast series on surge protection, and that's going to be about collections. I'm going to talk at length in my next uh, podcast about collecting during a surge and how important that is. But all the things I just discussed now are going to make it a lot easier to collect during a surge. So let's remember, there's a lot of money still sitting out there on the floor. Let's figure out a way to effectively bend over and pick up that money without putting ourselves at risk. For everybody at the Crest Network, I want to thank you for joining us. My name is Bill Giannone, and I look forward to hearing and seeing you on part three of the Crestcast. Thanks so much. Have a great day.